The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're having a chat with Peter Canterbury, Managing Director of Triton Minerals. They've got the great ASX code TON, that's TON. Now, before kicking off uh, diving into the company's projects, which are essentially focused in northern Mozambique, and we're talking graphite today, I'll ask Peter, if you could uh, just give us a bit of a background uh, to yourself, your professional background, your uh, technical background, and uh, how long you've been in the industry. Yeah, thanks, uh, Barry. So I uh, have a long history in the resources uh, industry. I spent uh, 12 years with Alcoa uh, in the aluminum, bauxite, and aluminium uh, sectors with them in in Australia and also in, in the US. Uh, following that, I, I joined a private group out of uh, London who acquired one of Alcoa's assets in Germany and uh, subsequently uh, a part share in the CPG bauxite mine in uh, Guinea. So I've had quite uh, extensive experience in, in Africa, Europe and uh, Asia and the US. Uh, following that, I when I moved back to Australia, I joined uh, Sundance Resources uh, developing the uh, as the CFO and developing the um, Mabalam uh, iron ore project in Cameroon and Republic of Congo and and uh, and negotiated the mining convention with uh, Sundance for the integrated mine rail and port facilities. Uh, following that, I I went back into a, the bauxite industry and and uh, was the managing director of. Uh, uh, bauxite Resources, which had a joint venture in West Australia f- up uh, in the northern 2J area f- uh, for development of uh, Bauxite Resource there, and then was approached to uh, join Triton and take the company out of uh, ad- a voluntary administration in 2016. Right. Now, Peter, you obviously uh, you mentioned uh, Cameroon and Sundance there the, in June 2010. Uh the entire Australian mining industry mourned the tragic death of the entire board en route to the project. Uh, at that time, you were CFO. Were you back in Perth when the uh, news of the tragedy hit? Yes, I, I was the uh, person who got the call to say that the plane hadn't arrived in uh, down at Yangadu in um, in Republic of Congo, and uh, we initiated the uh, the emergency response and. Uh, um, search search uh, uh, process for that. It uh, must have been a very uh, stressful time. Uh, one could understand why people would want to collapse in a heap, but I guess you had to get on with it, did you? Look, it, it's, it is an incredibly difficult time uh, to deal with a, a tragedy such as that, but uh, unfortunately you don't have the, the luxury of... Uh, of being able to relax and and just uh, try and mourn the loss of uh, people, you had a company that had no directors, um, uh, 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 which is not uh, 
uh, contemplated under Australian corporations law and you had uh, investors who had put a lot of money into the company and, and you, and, uh, you know, uh, foremost, you had a, a, a grieving families of uh, uh, of your employees and and related parties who who you needed to uh, look after and and ensure that you uh, brought their uh, loved ones home. Mm. You personally, how does one emerge from a, a tragedy like that? Uh, are you carrying battle scars, as it were, or? Uh, look, it was more of uh, you. You develop a strength of, uh, of, of character to uh, to look at a higher responsibility of you know that it wasn't about me. It was about how we how we look after the people who have been tragically impacted by it, and and manage a, an organisation that was going through a, a tragedy and. And I don't think you really have a chance to reflect on that uh, for quite a while until afterwards. And it wasn't for probably a year, uh, or a year and a half after that, where you took time out and and uh, and actually then just reconciled what had happened. Uh, it does have an indelible effect on you. And uh, you know, June the nineteenth each year is 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 a very sad time for us. Very true. Okay, now. Obviously, the Tritons Project's based in northern Mozambique. Um, one can assume from that then that uh, Africa is uh, still a continent that um, you're uh, prepared to uh, do business in. Look, uh, and, and I, yes, I am, and I am quite uh, enthusiastic about being involved in, uh, in you know, African projects uh, because of the opportunity that they bring for development of uh, greenfield um, uh, deposits in into uh, operations, and you know that opportunity doesn't exist in a lot of places around around the world, and and Africa has an abundance of it. It still has challenges, but it also the aspect that really attracts me is that you you actually add value in into the local communities that you uh, uh, you know capacity building in into uh, a country where employment and and uh, uh, income are important for their their future. Mm. You mentioned that you had twelve years' experience with Alcoa, and I think Alcoa is widely recognised as uh, the best at um, a lot of those issues you've just mentioned. There um, was it. Have you found your Alcoa training um, valuable in your dealings in Africa, and have you removed the Alcoa electrodes yet? <laughs> look, I've well and truly removed the Alcoa electrodes. And look, I I, I was worked with Alcoa during uh, when Alcoa was an absolutely outstanding company and and gave me a, a wonderful training in in uh, you know the finance, marketing, and you know development uh, areas uh, within um, within Alcoa and gave me lots of opportunities. And uh, so I use that. The skills I've developed with them uh, daily, and and will continue for the rest of my life. And one thing that Alcoa taught you is that uh, life and 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 uh, development doesn't stand still. So you always need to be challenging your your paradigms of what you're doing and uh, challenge your operating environment to make sure that you get the best out of the assets that you have. Mm. Uh, a lot of people tend to uh, spend their whole careers at Alcoa. What made you move on? 
Look, it was an opportunity that uh, one of our car was forced to divest at the time when uh, Reynolds uh, uh, merger with Reynolds occurred. The, the two refineries they had to uh, give up through uh, a, a U.S. Justice Department uh, uh, competition requirements was there was the alumina refinery and their fifty percent stake in the starter alumina refinery and one of my customers when uh, when I was in the marketing group at Dalcoa purchased that the starter refinery and he asked me to come on board to run the financial and commercial side uh, of that uh, operation because he had no industrial uh, interests um, and operating interests and so he needed someone to effectively uh, take it what is a operating entity and and put a structure in place uh, from for their ownership Right. Okay. I assume that the uh, operating across the bauxite, alumina, aluminium, metal sphere at Alcoa, are there similarities with uh, graphite? There are some. And the alumina refinery you had in Germany was also uh, produced a lot of aluminium hydrate, dry, dry hydrate and, and wet hydrate, which go, went into industrial mineral applications. So exposure to the industrial mineral space rather than a pure commodity space uh, was uh, was important and, and got some exposure. But really when I was approached by Triton to come into the to the graphite space, I had to really get an understanding of what what matters in, in terms of uh, graphite and how do you you market it and how um, is value obtained from graphite industry. Mm. Well, that's a good point, I guess, to ask, well, what does matter in graphite? Graphite's uh, not a particularly scarce resource. Um, I guess it goes to uh, quality of resource location, um, scalability, um, market entry, all those sort of things. So I was just wondering if you could talk to us about what is important in graphite and how the company's projects shape up against those benchmarks. Yes, so look, the... It's important for us um, to understand what drives value, and and from my assessment when I joined uh, Triton was that uh, there is a lot of graphite in the world. Uh, it's mainly dominated by China, and a lot of it is in the past has been used in low value applications. With the introduction of the battery uh, market and, and and its penetration, especially in China. Uh, the need for high purity graphite um, has become much more uh, irrelevant, and uh, in addition to that, is um, is that large flake graphite is also able to be used in high value applications such as expandable graphite and uh, in the refractory markets. Uh, so they are growing areas. So what drives uh, our, our assessment wasn't really about the, you know, what the grade is in the ground. It's really what the uh, properties are and how you can upgrade that uh, graphite. Um, to give you an example, Anqar uh, has about a six point six percent in in uh, situ grade. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, however, and you compare that to others that sit at, uh, you know, 10, 12, 14 percent in grade. Uh, the advantage it has is that it upgrades through mechanical flotation to an average grade of 97.5% and has 60% large flake size and above. 
and it's the combination of uh, purity and flake size that drives the high value, which is considerably higher than the, the fine material and lower grade uh, graphite, which goes into uh, low value uh, applications. So really for us, it was important to, main, uh, to design a project that uh, fit, fitted both the large flake and high purity specifications. Mm. If one was looking at those particular mark, market uh, points at the moment, um, is there much of a price difference we're talking about? Yeah, so you'll find uh, fine flake uh, minus 100 microns uh, sells for probably somewhere around six to 700 US dollars a tonne. Uh, the la, uh, jumbo size flake, uh, at 96% uh, purity sells for about $1,800 a tonne. Right. And that's the market you're targeting? Yes. Mm. And, and, and the application for that is mainly goes into expandable graphite. And expandable graphite is, uh, it touches everyone in, in its daily use. So your mobile phone has a, a graphite foil to stop the battery uh, uh, burning your hand. Uh, so that's a, a thermal protection, but it's also relevant for the uh, flame retardant uh, building industry. You've seen Grenfell fire disaster, um, and and there's been also a fire in, in Melbourne, which was caused by cladding, which didn't have uh, flame retardant in there, uh, using about a five to ten percent uh, content of graphite in that uh, in the foam that sits in that cladding uh, would have prevented those fires. Yes, it's a, a huge issue here in the uh, eastern states. Uh, we had one go up like a, a Christmas candle uh, just near the uh, Etihad football stadium a, a year or two ago. Um, the authorities eventually, I presume, will um, legislate that people use fire retardant cladding. But I understand China's uh, actually a couple of years ahead of this. So China in 2014 uh, 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 signaled that it would actually in, introduce uh, fire retardants and and by 2017 they have enacted in into their uh, building code that uh, flame retardant built uh, flame retardants are used to, to be used in all building uh, materials uh, and the other thing that happened uh, was that bromite uh, was banned uh, in in China uh, because of its carcinogenic nature. Mm. So from all that, I, I take it you don't want to necessarily be the biggest, you want to be the highest margin sort of operation. Yeah, it's important for us to, that value is driven by, uh, by your margin, not by your operating cost. We will not be the lowest cost uh, graphite miner and we don't aim to, uh, aim to be that out of NQR. We have a second project, Nicanda Hill, which we can, which is very similar to uh, Sarah's uh, deposit, uh, which uh, we will develop uh, and try to do a joint venture on that at a, at a later stage. But for us, the, our target market is the high value, uh, large flake graphite um, uh, market, and that's driven by by the uh, revenues, mm. uh, but it also is an increased cost in producing those large flake graphite. Okay. So where is the uh, project at, Answerabi, that is? Yeah, look, we're in a really uh, exciting time for, for Triton. We've, 
we have our permits all in place. So our mining concession was uh, formally granted by the Minister in, in May. We signed an EPC contract in September last year uh, uh, with MCC International and along with that it came with some uh, concessionary debt facilities uh, within in China. And just uh, in uh, late last month, we uh, we signed a, uh, an agreement with the uh, group Jinan High Tech to provide uh, uh, who will become our largest shareholder at 34% uh, once it's approved by, by shareholders. Uh, and with that, they will put an $8.5 million injection into Triton and will be uh, sponsoring, uh, finalising the, uh, the debt uh, as part of that. So... Uh, financing support for the debt of that at, at Chinese concessionary rates means that we are now uh, we have a very clear path to the finalisation of the uh, debt and equity funding, and uh, we are now once approvals go go into a construction phase for the project. It uh, total construction time is is around uh, eighteen months, and. Uh, and so we're now ready, gearing to to start that uh, construction uh, once we finalise the uh, the shareholder approval of the transaction with um, Jinan High Tech. Mm. That Chinese support, how important is that? Not only in terms of dollars and supporting at the financing, but access into the Chinese market. Well, it's it's a, a critical part of it because when I came into the role, we really made assessment that the hard thing about financing for graphite uh, players and and we've seen this in a number of, uh, of other uh, groups is is actually securing financing and you can't do it by offtake agreements because it's not a commodity it's a very opaque uh, pricing of uh, of of uh, graphite and it's much more of an industrial mineral type of negotiation of based on uh, product quality and uh, and so so it uh, China dominates both the production and also the technology that sits in that uh, in there. So we took a, a, a position very early to make sure that we had uh, offtake in going into China for ex- with existing uh, existing graphite uh, producers. So we have fifty uh, percent of our production sold to uh, existing Shandong-based graphite. Um, producers and most of the equipment will come out of China and that was one of the reasons why we we uh, agreed uh, and contracted with MCC International to provide their uh, EPC contracting. Mm-hmm. Both they have experience in graphite but they also have experience of construction in Mozambique and uh, and so it gives us the, uh, the ability to uh, get the procurement uh, out of out of China, uh, get concessionary finance out, out of China, and be utilising a constructor who has a lot of experience in in the African region, uh, including uh, Mozambique, and so that's you know part of the strategy to de risk the project, and and we've taken the last uh, twelve months to get that right. Uh, it's been a long process, but. We are now well positioned to be the next graphite producer. So, just so uh, listeners don't have to look it up themselves, what's the expected uh, 
stage one capital cost and when do you expect financial closure? So the the DFS came up with a number of uh, $99 million. Uh, we have through the uh, EPC contracting uh, basis, uh, it's now uh, that number is, is closer to $85 million. Uh, and uh, so there's been a significant saving through the Chinese procurement uh, basis. Uh, we are um, aiming to close uh, by um, uh, before the end of the year of this the financing and the first approvals and the first money will be paid in in uh, late September is the mm-hmm. is the plan and that will enable us to do some work on on ground for our raw water dam this year so um, so that's the the targeted uh, commencement of construction so we can issue the the notice to proceed with MCC International mm-hmm. we can do some early works into including the raw water dam uh, do the engineering the detailed engineering and and early uh, long lead item orders so first production is that late 2020 or 2021 we're looking at I, I would think it will be first first quarter 2021 right and then, uh, well, the ASX will have a, a market leader in the expandable graphite market they can trade in. Uh, do you see this investor base in Australia? I don't want to say that um, there's an ignorance factor there, but do you think there will be a distinction made by investors between, say, Syrah, who's obviously the market leader at the moment, and your project? Yeah, it, and Look, it is, it is, um, uh, it is difficult to really get, uh, to differentiate it because one one is there's a um, I think people have difficulty understanding the value drivers in in graphite uh, and the, obviously Sierra has been the leader in in terms of that development and now has the world's largest graphite facility operating in Mozambique. There, um, uh, but uh, for us, it's about uh, trying to get them to understand both graphite but also an African uh, operation, uh, which there, you know, it, there is always misunderstanding about. It, Africa isn't Africa. There are a number of countries. There's 47 different countries in Africa. There's uh, and and different operating environments. And we're very happy to be sitting in Mozambique. From my experience, uh, compared to the other jurisdictions I've operated in, you have a very well established mining code. You have a government that's very supportive of. Uh, of uh, mining development, you have uh, Vale operating there. You have South Thirty Two have an uh, al- aluminium smelter sitting in in uh, Mozambique. You have a lot of oil and gas development going on in in the Capo Delgado region, and you have two operating graphite uh, facilities. So you have Sira and and uh, GK, which sits right next to it, is in Anquiape, which is Germany's largest graphite uh, producer mm-hmm. and uh, they use it for their high value products because of the outstanding nature of the graphite at uh, in Anquapo. So I'm very happy to be in Mozambique because it has the experience. We don't have to build any infrastructure because there, we have an existing port at Pemba, which is 80 kilometres from mm-hmm. from our tenement and uh, we can, we have there's plenty of capacity there to send out all our material uh, through that through that port um, and so operating in Mozambique uh, you know there's always inefficiencies in in governments within 
uh, operations and Mozambique has been slow in some things, but it has a very well-defined uh, mining legislation uh, supported government. And if you've seen the, the what's happened in Tanzania over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, I'd much rather be sitting where I am in Mozambique than to the north. Okay. Now, the, the second project, Nisanda Hill there, uh, very much plugged into the battery market. Uh, how do you – there's been a lot of uh, uh, stress in the lithium market of late, uh, both uh, at the operational level and the investor level, but – What's your view on the electric vehicle thematic? Uh, will the Sand Hill be required sometime in the 2020s to meet demand? Yes. Uh, our view is the, the market will grow rapidly. And it's not just the electric vehicle. I think uh, people, it's the battery space in general. So the, the, the large, to us, even a larger than the electric vehicle market will be the fixed storage mm-hmm. uh, battery market. Uh, and so you need uh, high quality uh, graphite in there. Uh, and China is the largest producer, but it has a lot of environmental challenges there in terms of the taking lower grade uh, uh, concentrate and then having to upgrade it using hydrofluoric acid, which is a very nasty acid, which um, we won't use uh, in our uh, process. We're only using mechanical flotation. Uh, so we are um, uh, very happy to see that you know the, there will be expansion of the requirements in uh, sitting outside of China to meet the demand, and you're going to have a lot of demand out of Europe for uh, batteries, and and uh, and graphite is is quite abundant. I mean, it, there's a lot more graphite in a um, lithium-ion battery than there is uh, lithium or cobalt, uh, so it is a quite a, a, a big use in the anode. Uh, the, the aspect that uh, really uh, attracts us is that the automakers are now starting to look at uh, getting resource uh, security outside of China and, and we think that uh, big graphite deposits like Nicander Hill uh, will have its time and we're happy, we're looking at doing a joint venture on that with a big uh, either a battery producer or automotive uh, uh, producer. But it's not uh, our major focus of the area because I think there is a number of years before that battery market uh, uh, fully requires all, all the volume. Syrah has uh, used a fair bit of that uh, volume mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and we'll get there eventually. And, you know, we're very happy to see Syrah operating and... and uh, uh, and it's in everyone's interest that that operates at a, at a good operation. So obviously they've had some startup difficulties and, and market difficulties, but the longer-term thematic is, is very positive. Very true. Okay, Peter, you've given us a, a good rundown there on uh, the company's position across the, uh, the graphite market, some exciting news on the development front, and as, what, as the markets evolve, we'll uh, watch the company's progress with a lot of interest. So thanks very much for your time today, and good luck with it all. Pleasure, Barry. Thank you. Thank you.